Welcome to the Barbells and Bone Broth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kelsey Albers, and my co-host is Heather Hammond. Heather and I are both nutritional therapy practitioners and serial fitness enthusiasts. We are constantly diving into the new science and lost art of wellness. On this podcast, Heather and I will be digging deeper into relevant wellness topics. Each podcast season, we'll start with a big idea to unpack, and in the following episodes, we'll bring on expert guests, provide our own insight, and take questions from you, the listener, to drill down to the nitty gritty. We'll get real, we'll get uncomfortable, we'll have fun and learn something new along the way. As a reminder, nothing shared on the Barbells and Bone Broth podcast should be taken as professional medical advice. If you hear something that interests you, please work with your trusted healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Barbells and Bone Broth podcast. I'm Kelsey. Here's Heather. Hey, Heather. Hey, everybody. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I'm good. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. So uh, season three, can you believe we're in season three? Well, and really it's season four for us. Yeah. Because we had our we intro. So zero. we, mm-hmm. this little That's idea. That's why I feel that- so much later. It, uh, we're here. We are episode one, season three. We are talking about diet culture. Dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Like it had to be a very dramatic reading of diet mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. No one's friend, but no I- one's friend. <laughs> and I'm, I think this season is going to be another one like food addiction, where it's just like, we're just like peeling back layers of the onion, like just keep going. And we're probably going to like cry sometimes or like get super mad about how terrible of an onion it is. But, um, I think it's important to talk about. I think it is too. And I, even though it has become a little bit more mainstream and people are talking about it, I do not think that most people, women, especially are really thinking about it or actually understanding what's going on. I think it it just runs so deeply, sneakily. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think it's something we give a lot of lip service to, but don't spend a lot of time um, like pulling apart. Do you think that might also be because it's one of those problems that it's so hard to fix for a lack of better word, lack of a better word that people just don't do anything about it at all? It's overwhelming. Because how do you like fix our entire society or how do you fix something that's been going on generation after generation after generation? Yeah. Uh, it means that you're a cycle breaker to try and change it. And cycle breaking is really hard. It can be done. Mm-hmm. You used a term in our show notes um, to describe it. And I want you to drop it because it's a good term. Insidious. I just got like goosebumps. It's like a shiver. We're recording like that from Lion King when they're like, ooh, do it again. You know what I'm talking about? The hyenas. I don't remember. I have seen it. Well, (laughs) we watch Lion King like when my son was two, we watched it like probably seven million times. So it's like re-ingrained in my subconscious. But it it really is insidious. It's not Mm -hmm. something, it's beneath the surface, it's happening. You don't even think about it. And it's just a learned behavior that's so ingrained that you don't even realize. Mm -hmm. So um, 
diet culture doesn't have a definition, like an official, like most things that we talk about already, it doesn't have this official definition, but one of the, the themes that, or the threads that kind of kept pulling out um, for me was that it's a focus on being thin above being healthy. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that is like the, and, and then the behaviors and then the way we structure our value system that results as, or results from that priority. Well, because if you really just from a super general lens, if you look at what we find value in, what is better than being small mm-hmm. for, for a woman, right? What mm-hmm. is better than being small and being thin? No, mm-hmm. no one really can top that. Mm-hmm. It's the ideal. Mm-hmm. But why? That's a great question. I don't know. Like we should probably find out where that like focus on being thin came from. Like what <clears throat> was the tipping point for that? Cause it goes back for a long time. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of this, but back in like Victorian times, like women who were like bigger were like, that was like the idolized body type because it meant that you were wealthy. I don't know if that's true or not, or just sort of a, I mean, I've always heard that too. I mean, think about if you look at some of the, I'm sure it's totally not the right era, but I'm going to say it anyway, Renaissance paintings, Mm -hmm. the women are not thin they're you know, what you would call curvy. But at the same time, you've probably seen the articles where they break it down by the decade Mm -hmm. through the 20th century about Mm -hmm. how it went from the flapper, the thin, and then in the 70s, whatever. I mean, there's something for every decade, basically. Mm -hmm. The heroin cheek, you know, chic, Mm -hmm. the way Mm -hmm. it changes constantly. Right. And if you look at it, there's no men in there. No, no. (laughs) They're not really talking about men. They are. I do think that diet culture, just as a shout out to, um, well, I don't know if we have very many male listeners, but um, I, I understand that diet culture does have its impact on men as well, because I do think that there are some um, standards that men feel that they should meet. However, we're not going to be talking about that. Like we're, we're going to be talking about it through our lens um, and how that impacts us as women and our experiences. And I do agree. I mean, if you just look at any commercial, the men have a certain look too. Right. But I don't think that there's in real life, I don't know that there's the expectation of that quite in the same way as there is for women. And you're right. We're just talking about it through us, not for everyone. So my husband and I had an interesting conversation over the summer. Um, We were talking about like, as he progresses in his career and he gets, you know, more and more, um, FaceTime and more and more like, it just like, he's like, I feel like there is a um, expectation of me to look good. And he's like, it really shouldn't matter what I look like. It should matter the job that I do. And I was like, oh my God, like I have felt this way since I started my first job as a waitress when I was 15. I didn't have to be almost 40, like moving up the ranks in like a financial institution to get there. Like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of enjoying that he had that moment and, and realized what it can feel like as a female just living in this world. Right. And I'm sure that is a real thing for him. I I 100% believe it's real, but it's just sort of ironic. 
and almost mm-hmm. laughable, like, oh, mm-hmm. you caught on? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, it was a, like, I was like, I don't feel bad for you. Like, <laughs> like, sorry about it that you have to like, you know, be concerned with how you look, but this is something that like I've dealt with every day of my life. So, um, okay. <laughs> so, but so anyway, so one, realizing though. that, right. That men, um, have this, um, it impacts them too. But again, we're not going to going to be talking about that because that's not our personal experiences. So, um, diet culture, we let's, let's spend a little bit more time sort of talking about what it looks like to give people real examples of, because if they're like, okay, so I have this drive to look good, but what does it actually mean whenever we see examples of diet culture? So one of them that I came across and it really sticks out to me because, so this recording isn't going to be released until like mid-November, but we are coming up on Halloween weekend when we're recording this. So this is time where we're going to see all those fitness memes where it's like, okay, for every piece of like every Reese's peanut butter, you you have to do like 15 jumping jacks to work it off. And it is the idea of um, a justification or like punishing yourself with a workout for what you ate is a part of diet culture. It absolutely is. And if you really think about it, this entire thing is driven by shame. Mm-hmm. And there's just this idea that you can kind of shame yourself into being quote better. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't work. And it's always this punishment. I did this. So now I have to do this to make up for it. Mm-hmm. So I hate those uh, memes with the, how the burpees for the candy hate them. And it also puts this morality into it again Mm -hmm. with foods being good and bad and people being good and bad for eating them. And it becomes incredibly punitive, which is not really known to bring any success. So that diet or that Um, morality of food is also a piece of diet culture that we see. And it's just, it's insidious. It's just something we do. Like I was so bad this weekend. You should has, you know, I eat a piece of cake. I'm so bad. You're so good. You ate a salad. Like that's not how it works. Like you don't, you're not moral because of the food choices you make. No. And, and think about it. If you have a day where you eat some treats, let's say it's a cheat day desserts Mm -hmm. are they're sinful or maybe what you ate has no guilt why is there guilt around what we're eating Mm -hmm. because there's this expectation to be small Mm -hmm. and if you eat high calorie foods maybe you'll gain a little bit of weight and god forbid we don't want that Mm -hmm. but let's also just talk about it for a second how it's a huge industry like people are making tremendous amounts of money over other people not feeling good enough. Right. The last thing I looked up, it was $71 billion a year for diet and weight loss. That's a lot of money. That's like, that's a lot of money. That's a huge industry. I know that's not like breaking news that that's a lot of money, but that's a huge industry. Well, it's a huge industry and they don't want to lose that money. So they are going to continue pumping the the machine of shaming people into either buying their products or 
depriving themselves or, you know, and I'm talking about deprivation in the sense of trying to eat under 1200 calories a day, things like that. Mm-hmm. The entire thing is built on shame. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but when does shame work? Well, that's, well, it, it doesn't work to make improvements to yourself, but it works to sell people stuff. Like we just 100% in our last episode about Facebook and they drive engagement by creating negative emotions. And that's what's happening here. Like negative emotions sell because people are like respond to that when you use negative emotions. Well, and think about it. You, you see some sort of advertisement, it makes you feel bad about yourself and then they're selling you a solution. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably when that solution doesn't work, it's your fault. You feel here like we failure. go again. Mm-hmm. So, well, and then what, like what happens because we get, we don't hit that like gene size or weight on the scale. Um, then we route our self-worth through those results. And then somehow we are less of a person, less valuable. And for the most because part of that most of the time, this is multiple, multiple times. So Mm -hmm. every time it just chips away again, I can't do this. I'll never do this. And it's negative and negative and it just keeps growing. Mm -hmm. And then it, the more desperate you get, the more you're willing to buy into it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, and it's just, it's also, we want life to be a little bit bigger than only thinking about our food or the size of our thighs. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, there's more to it, I think. Yeah. I'll let you know when I figure it out, but yeah, no, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have it either. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I think about it so much that I wouldn't know what it is not to think about it. Mm-hmm. But imagine the, uh, the free time, the, the, the space we could fill up with something oh my else. Gosh. Like we would have like cured cancer and be living on the moon by now. So <laughs> it would be amazing if we could free up that that brain power, you know, the one thing that pulled out whenever I was, uh, looking at what diet culture is, um, and it's something I do, and it's something that we all do is complimenting others on their size, their shape, their weight loss, like something that something along those lines. And I was, I saw that and I was a little bit taken aback. Cause I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I can't tell somebody, Hey, you look, you know, I know you've been like working out and look at your arm muscles or you, you look great. You've lost weight. Like that's, that's something we all do. Um, and that is, it's kind of jarring when you realize like how harmful that can be, because that's just solidifying the goalposts for a lot of people. Um, And it can just be, it's a hard one to break. It's a really hard one to break because we literally value it so much that we Mm -hmm. genuinely feel like we're giving someone a true compliment Mm -hmm. and we're happy to do so. And we think it'll make them happy and maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's where we just don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is okay to compliment someone But instead of saying, oh my gosh, you lost so much weight, maybe we could consider saying, oh my gosh, you look so happy and you're glowing. How do you feel? Mm -hmm. Question. You know, I think that's great because we just don't always have the context where, you know, if it's your best friend who's been, you know, out every morning, taking three mile walks and eating all of her protein and her fats and and really (laughs) working on it. And then maybe you could say, 
I really see a change in your body. That's wonderful. But mm-hmm. when you just don't know, and it's someone at work, maybe, and they pass you by, you just to immediately say, oh my gosh, you got so skinny. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's because they're sick or maybe their husband's sick, or maybe something stressful is going on. You really just don't know. Right. And I so think, think that's that where it comes in. Understanding that context is really important. And again, no matter what, reshaping that compliment out of how you look, but how do you feel like, Hey, like, Hey, I know you've been going to the gym. Like, how are your workouts doing? Are you getting stronger? Are you getting faster? Like what, what's going on there? Because, um, I think that was whenever I started like weightlifting as an adult and then ended up at CrossFit, you know, it was, it became less of a focus of a a weight on the scale or like pant size to like, gosh, look at how much I can deadlift or look at, I finally did a pull up for the first time ever in my life. Um, and I think those, those benchmarks are just as important to talk about because it probably more beneficial too, because those are, those carry over in other ways, you know? Well, it, that, that's what enrages me is that no one, necessarily is asking someone, how do you feel? Oh my gosh, look, you just look so you're glowing. No, it's simply about being smaller. No one Mm -hmm. cares about anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been navigating a couple of people I know who've had some significant weight loss and they wanted this weight loss. Okay. So it's not as if I don't want to acknowledge it, but I really try to always say, you must feel amazing and Mm -hmm. look at all the good things you're doing for yourself. Mm-hmm. and not just make it about a number. But that being mm-hmm. said, I don't know that a few years ago, I would have even had that thought. It right. would have no. all just been about how you look in a number, but right. now I'm trying to be a little bit more conscious of it. And my hope is that when I'm a little more conscious of it, other people might see that too. Well, and it, it changes the tide, right? So the more people that talk this way, or um, it'll, it'll get people's attention and it'll start to change. Um, and all of this doesn't mean that we are anti weight loss or anti health. Um, you know, obviously the more muscle somebody has on their body, the better it is for them. Obviously, um, you know, increased stamina increased. And there are so many metrics that come along with all of this. Um, well, I mean, this could be, I'm sorry, go as well as say when the focus is you're smaller, you're skinnier, you're lighter, you're less, that is the part of diet culture that I think that we all need to start to become more aware of and start to shift. I think you're right. And it is possible to just find other markers than being small. Mm -hmm. But what's tough is, I don't know if you found this, there are still so many people who just want to be small. Mm -hmm. So all of the other stuff doesn't really matter. So Mm -hmm. my point being, it's a deep issue. It is so deep. And it's going to take some time to really root it out. Mm -hmm. And a a generational change too, because I- I, Probably multiple generations. Oh yes, absolutely. Because this generation has an opportunity to start to change it. But I think there are behaviors that are ingrained in us that we say, you know, I think of how I talk to my kids about eating healthy and, and, you know, we're very intentional that we eat protein because it helps us be strong and healthy. Like we don't use the word fat 
ever in our household. We don't use the word, like we use the word big, like you're growing big and strong and that's what we need you to do. And that's awesome. But I wonder sometimes what they see in me and my habits that I do. Um, and because I haven't broken all of the habits around diet culture, that's 100% for sure. Like I know they've walked into a room where I'm like lifting up my shirt and looking at my stomach critically. Like there are things, right. And then we go out into society and we had a situation this summer where we were out with other people and the kids were all joking about, they had like made up this make-believe thing and they were like, oh my gosh, it's so fat. And they were all laughing and um, like, because kids are like ridiculous and cruel like that. And, and my old, my youngest, she's too young. She didn't know, but my oldest was like, kind of there, like laughing with them because I don't think he knew what he was laughing at because we don't talk like that. He was just laughing at a group. Well, but kids are quick, right? So if it's fat, funny in this situation, then it's funny in a different situation. So it's like this, like, like, I think it starts at home and it starts the way we talk to our kids, but there are, that's why I'm saying it's going to be a multi-generational thing because it's going to take a long time to get there. Um, I think so, because this really, and I'm not exaggerating, it is the only thing. I don't know how to say it. It's not protected at all. People are so cruel in -hmm. terms of um, not in terms of larger people or fat people. Have you Mm -hmm. ever seen on Instagram what larger influencers have to deal with? Yeah, it's disgusting. It's unbelievable Mm -hmm. that for some reason, people think that this is okay to criticize and to just call out. Right. So when you see that, it sort of makes me disgusted and sad because we have a long way to go. We have a very long way to go. People wouldn't call out someone else for nearly anything else, but it's like free game to talk Mm -hmm. about someone's weight. Mm -hmm. And that is just, it's unbelievable to me actually Mm -hmm. getting all, getting all mad. Um, well, it's a very justified thing to be mad about. Like, it's not like your weight does not like what's this, what, like, I feel like Jason Seib talks about this a lot, but you know, you, your weight only tells you how much gravity it takes to keep you yes. here on earth. Like it doesn't tell you if you're smart. It doesn't tell you if you're valuable. It doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you anything other than how much gravity it requires to keep you here on earth. And if you think about it though, we still think that by losing weight, whether it's that 10 pounds or whatever it needs to, needs to be, that somehow our life is going to just become better. Mm-hmm. And everything is going to just be great. And I think mm-hmm. it was Jason Seib who said it too. What do you think is going to happen if you lose weight? Are people going to line up to marry you? Are they going <laughs> to offer you better jobs? Is someone give you a parade? No, you're just mm-hmm. smaller. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that's a bad thing. So that's the other thing. Right. You touched on so that. Things earlier. could be better, right? Like think like you could like honestly like it's if you better lose if, weight, if, if you, you need to be healthier. healthier. Right. Of but course. not all the and time it, either. Mm-mm. because but, if you lose weight in an unhealthy way, right? Sorry, I'm going to stop interrupting you. No, no, no. We're both, we're both doing it. It's not just you. You just don't know what's going on underneath the hood or going on in someone's house just because they're losing weight. Right. You can look smaller and all kinds of unhealthy things could have gotten you there, mm-hmm. but no one cares because you're smaller. Right. right. But on the other hand, I, this is what I want to say. I want to go back to what you said earlier. That doesn't mean there's not a place 
for losing weight. Of course right. there is. Right. We're not talking about that. Like it's, it's not a matter of anti-weight loss at all. They're two mm-hmm. completely, in my opinion, different things, right. but the likelihood of getting healthier, losing weight, getting more active, making healthy choices, the likelihood that that's going to happen from hating yourself mm-hmm. is very small. The, and I think the likelihood of, it could happen, but I think the likelihood of maintaining is that's probably where true. It, it drops off. Like you can like anger, starve yourself um, for a while or depression, starve yourself or any emotion, starve yourself for a while, but it won't last forever. And usually what happens in that situation is your metabolism, um, gets thrown off and you don't burn fuel as efficiently. And then when you gain weight back, it'll gain, you'll gain more of that back. Um, so with friends, as they say, gain back weight with friends. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, but it's just true. Yeah. So, um, when like talking about all this and you and I, we were talking before we started recording, like how truly insidious this is because, um, it's kind of hard to like dig out your memories of or figure out like from like back in our history, like where all of this started and what was like sort of these triggers. But when was your first diet? Like, when did you decide to go, you decided that you needed to go on a diet the first time? So what's so amazing about that is I couldn't even tell you because it's been always, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I wish I could say, okay, when I was 12, but I don't, I don't remember, but what I do remember is maybe being around 10 and it being much more of a, we need to focus on eating less and not Mm -hmm. eating sugar. And it was a focus because even by 10, I knew that I was heavier than kids around me. And I knew that was a bad thing. Mm. I don't know that I knew why exactly that was a bad thing, right? but I knew that it was a bad thing. Right. So quite honestly, I feel like I can't think of a time where I wasn't either on a diet, should be on a diet or thinking about being on a diet. Mm -hmm. Probably not the best dieter, (laughs) but always thinking about it, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So always would be my answer. (laughs) If I, I, I don't, I couldn't, I don't know what the tipping point was or when the, the, the light switch was turned on, Mm -hmm. but it was so long ago that it's, I could literally say to you, if not on a diet, thinking about a diet my entire life. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's exhausting. That's great great to really lay that out when I think Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. And, and then, and again, like how much energy did that take? Like that has that sucked up over the course of your life, you know, years, yeah, years of energy would be my guess. Mm -hmm. Um, what has your experience been? Hopefully not that bad. Well, I do, but I do think like I knew again, I knew from a very young age, what the expectation for what our bodies should look like. Um, and I don't know when I would have first tried to go on a diet. Um, but I knew there were certain foods that were bad, right? Like we, like, like ice cream is bad. We still eat it. Right. And we still gorge ourselves on it, but it's bad. And so like that, that shame associated with food started pretty early. And then like, I remember, once or twice in middle school, like I tried to make myself throw up after I would eat, but I didn't like it. Like it was not something that stuck. Like it was not a, it was not a behavior that clicked. It didn't, it wasn't something that I wasn't. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, 
And then like my first official diet um, that I actually stuck to wasn't until I was a senior in high school. Um, but again, like I had spent a lot of time um, obsessing over food before I really even realized, or before I even thought that my body, I was dissatisfied with my body. Does that make sense? Like I, like I knew that I needed to be aware and I felt guilt and shame over food before I even felt guilt and shame over my body. Yes, it does make sense. So when did the two catch up to um, each other? So I, there's like two things in my memory that stick out to me. One is that, so my best friend in grade school and middle school was real thin. Like she was a skinny little girl. She um, is still thin as an adult, right? Like this is her body type that she was her genetics that she was born with, but everybody used to talk about her and, Oh, she's so skinny. Look at her. She's so skinny. Oh my gosh. She's so skinny. Does she even eat? She must have a hollow leg. She's so skinny. Um, and I didn't, it, there was never anything bad said about me, but I knew that I wasn't skinny as her. And that was, um, it influenced me. Right. Because then I was like, well, I should try and be as skinny as her. And, and again, like, um, it, it, it didn't really manifest into a hatred of my body until like that happened when I was in a freshman in high school where I really hated my body. And that was because, um, I was like cyberbully before cyberbullying was a thing. And that was like such a long, stupid story. Oh, no. Um, but but anyway, this girl ended up, she didn't, she liked my boyfriend. And so she ended up calling, she would call me thunder thighs to her friends, to my friends, to everybody, but me, she, I heard it through everybody else. But then I was like, what's wrong with my thighs? And then I realized that I hated my thighs for no other reason than somebody called them thunder thighs. And all of a sudden, and that was like the crack in the glass that like shattered it. Right. Like then it was everything. It was thighs. It was belly. It was arms. It was, but it was everything at that point it was hair. It like, it just morphed, right? Nothing was good enough. Right. Well, what about, you know, when like, I, what, I keep going, I was going to say what, like, like, so you mentioned that you knew that you were bigger than other kids, but you didn't know why that was a bad thing. Like, when did that tip for you to be like, okay, now I'm actually dissatisfied as well. well. You know, it's interesting. Cause I was just thinking about how to word it. Being very young, I don't think that you yet have the knowledge of what's going on. You just know that maybe you're different and it's never, mm -hmm. it's never a good thing to be different, right? As a kid. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't say that it ever tipped for me where it was, oh, I hate my thighs or I hate my arms, but it was a general sense of being less than like, because of being bigger, it was a general sense of just being less than, and I'll go so far to say it was just knowing that you're not good enough as those people, as, as mm -hmm. those people are. And I, I would say that, um, though my brain knows the difference now, I still do that. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a little bit more subtle and I, I know that it's not actually the case, but it's sort of like everyone, not everyone, but those people. And then me, as if there's mm -hmm. some sort of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I always felt that around kids growing up. 
Mm-hmm. And I did that to myself, I suppose, in terms of the way I internalized this, I could have mm-hmm. internalized it a hundred different ways. Right. Mm-hmm. No one said to me, these kids are great. You're not, right. but it always just felt that the skinny kids were applauded for anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that even true? I don't know, but this way it mm-hmm. felt. Mm-hmm. That was and a it, tangent. Well, no. And I think it, it makes a ton of sense because, um, Maybe they weren't like given things that you weren't given, but they are given more positive attention. And that is not as tangible. Like, it's not like, oh, they were like, they got A's and I got C's, you know, but they got positive feedback. And of course, and everyone like we need that. And it just sort of, it, it just felt like a very much, of sort of a, a divide. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure lots of people feel a divide for lots of different reasons, mm-hmm. but that's just my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit to like the people around us, right? Like, um, so media is one thing, right? Images on TV, images from the fitness industry showing us what they think we should look like. But like the people around us have a big impact, friends, family, teachers, um, and like I'm running out of examples, but like people that we spent a lot of time with as kids and as we're growing up and even now bosses, coworkers, that sort of stuff. Like, um, and, and I don't know that we necessarily need to go too deep into this, but like what stands out to you about the people around you? Or is it not even that it stands out and it's just as we give these examples of like complimenting weight loss or focusing on making up for eating candy um, influences us. I feel like that's not a good question. So much more aware of it now. And I don't, I'll just pick up on things that I was never picked up on before. Mm -hmm. People will be talking about um, what they eat or if it's good or bad, or they deserve this, or they, they worked hard so they can have it or they can't, or maybe I do recently, someone I was talking to, we were talking about Peloton instructors Mm -hmm. and I I won't call out any names, but she said about one of them, oh, she's a big girl. First of all, there's no big girls on a Peloton. I was like, well, that was where my mind first went. I was like, so it was just, I suppose in comparison to like a rail thing, thin Pilates body, which some of them Mm -hmm. seem to have, Mm -hmm. but that like blew my mind and that it's so Mm -hmm. acceptable to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's just everywhere. It just depends on where you put your focus. Mm -hmm. And if you can kind of not shut people down, but maybe talk about why that's not the most important thing to say. Mm -hmm. But it's not, I wouldn't say it's at the forefront of every conversation I have. Mm -hmm. What do you think? You know, but I agree with you. I think it's little things, right. That people say and do subconsciously like again like oh you look great have you lost weight have you um you know I think I hear that more than comments about people's size more comments like rather than commenting on big people I hear more people comment like you're smaller and that's better and that's that's sort of what 
what I hear. Um, I mean, I, I do agree. I think that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And anytime, I will say anytime anyone around me has lost weight, people are celebrating it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh my gosh, have you seen her? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's insidious. <laughs> like, and, and again, like, I don't want, like, I, if people are listening and they're like, oh, well, I compliment when people lose weight. And now you're saying I'm like a bad person and I shouldn't do that. Like, no, that's definitely not what I'm, I'm not no. saying you're a bad person, but I do think that we all need to take a step back and think, is this really as beneficial as we think this comment should be right. So like next time somebody's like, you see somebody who's lost weight rather than being like, Oh, you've lost weight. Like, I like you're like, how are you feeling? Like you're glowing. Like, but also like, Hey, are you working out? And if they say yes, like what workout are you doing? Like, like, how's that going for Like focus on it, right? Like focus on what they're doing. Um, rather than being smaller. Well, it, it can change the route of where the self-worth comes from. Mm-hmm. Because there can be a lot of self, self-worth gained in having a new routine and accomplishing what we promise ourselves to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And to me, that sounds a lot better than just getting your self-worth due to your body size. Right. I agree. Um, yes. A hundred percent. I was, I had a really good point to make and then it just fell out of my brain. Um, so that's okay. What, like, this is going to be a good season. I think, I think there's so much to talk about and maybe in the future episodes, we will hone in on a little bit of one angle, mm-hmm. you know, or one thought that we'll really dig into a little bit more specifically. Right. Yeah. So but, this was just introduction to the insidious nature of diet culture. Um, absolutely. But there's a lot of rabbit holes that we can, and we will go down. Um, so for our listeners, if you have a thought on this, we would love to know what you're thinking. Um, and maybe even your personal story with diet culture and how it's impacted you. That would be, I would, like, I don't know, misery loves company, I guess it would be good to know what other people have experienced. Absolutely. I would love to hear it. And I think that it just helps other people to know they're not alone Mm -hmm. because in reality, I bet if we pulled 10 people on the street, each one of them would have some sort of story and they Mm -hmm. might not even understand it was diet culture. And then afterwards Mm -hmm. be like, Oh man, got me. Right. I agree. Like, I think most of us don't even realize that it's happening because it is so, it's just a power, a part of how things are. It just is. Mm-hmm. Um, great. So if people want to share those stories, um, barbells and bone broth on Facebook, and then our Instagram handle is barbells and bone broth podcast. Okay, perfect. So, um, and we'll link those, um, we haven't really done a great job of really talking about social media, um, for our podcast, but I'll link them in the show it's notes. On the list. So that way, if, if people want to follow us, um, on there, that would be awesome. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts or anything that you didn't hit on Heather that you want to bring up? I think I got it all, but I, I just think this is going to be super interesting and super important. And that we also want to say that we recognize that everyone comes to it from a completely different angle And the Mm -hmm. angle that we're coming to it from, first of all, Kelsey's angle is going to be different than mine, right? Mm -hmm. But everyone has 
this as their own unique experience and one experience isn't more intense than the other. It's nothing like that, but it's so personal that the more we can talk about this, maybe it's possible that we can break through this cycle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge all of our listeners. Um, if this is something like if, if a lot of these are sort of aha moments or things that you really haven't considered before, spend the next week um, just observing how you think of your value in terms of your size, how you relate to other people's value in terms of their size, because let's be honest, like we've all compared ourselves um, to other people and thought like she's better than me because she's thinner or I'm better than her because she's thinner. I think it's a subconscious um, response that has been just kind of put into us. So just before you like go like moralizing and like, I'm a terrible person for thinking this or saying this, just step back and observe it for a week and sit with it. I think that's a great idea because we don't know what we don't know. And if Mm -hmm. we pay attention, we really might find out some things that we didn't even recognize were happening. Right. I mean, one last thing I'll say, (laughs) it is so ingrained in me to walk into a room and figure out who's the biggest person or who's the smallest person. Mm-hmm. It's literally, I, I, and, and where do I fall on that? Right. Mm-hmm. So, Me too. Yeah. you know, we're, and we're rating ourselves and whether we, we th- consciously think it or not, it's a good and bad scale. Mm-hmm. And where do we fall on that? So mm-hmm. I would be really interested to hear if there's anyone who doesn't do that. I know that sounds broad, I would, yeah. but I would be really interested yeah. if there are women who don't consider that when they walk into a room. Yeah. And before, okay. Before somebody's like, I don't do that. Stop and observe. You need to practice and think about it really. Think about it. Cause I, um, I'm not going to say they don't exist, but I'm going to say if your knee jerk reaction is I don't do that, like re jerk your knee and sit with it for a minute. Like it, like you have probably done it in your life. If you don't subconsciously do it every day, every time you walk into a room. Well, and you may not do it when you walk into a room with three people that you live with, but Mm -hmm. when you walk into a room, whether it be work, the gym, wherever you go, really think about what you're, what you're considering when you look around. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means that you have been conditioned to think like this. Well, it has nothing to do with being a bad person. It really just makes you a human living in the world, Mm -hmm. but if we are aware of it and we actually want to maybe change that we can. Mm. Yes. I agree. But I think this is, this is going to be super interesting and we could probably talk for about 18 episodes. So maybe, maybe it'll be an 18 episode season. (laughs) Maybe this will just become a diet culture podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Well, that's, um, yeah, we, I know last episode, I promised that there were changes coming. Like we're still rethinking or we're still thinking about the format, thinking about, um, our topics and thinking of just thinking about a million things. So, um, just like there, there are likely changes coming, um, and they will be great changes, but just heads up. We're, we're just thinking through all of it. Yeah. We're working through it, but we also want to keep recording even through any, potential Mm -hmm. changes, but the changes really, they're more for us. They're more on our end Mm -hmm. as long as we keep it going. Yeah. All right, Kelsey, this was fantastic. Yeah. And I really hope and encourage again, our listeners to reach out to us and talk a little bit about your own experiences. I would love that. Okay. 
Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. If you liked what you heard, be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. I know it's standard for every podcaster to say that, but a positive review and subscribing will help us become more visible on podcasting platforms. And be sure you follow Heather and I on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Kelsey Albers and Heather is at Heather underscore Hammond underscore. To learn more about working with Heather, visit her website, heatherhammondwellness.com. And to learn more about working with me, Kelsey, visit my website, ignitenourishthrive.com. We're so excited to chat again soon. Until next time.